0: from like all through nevada i'm sorry listeners yeah. if you're from nevada but i think it's like one of the ugliest states we have but like <laughs> just the parts i've seen i can't speak yeah. to all of it but like um and then i just laughed because like I, I was picturing you flying into salt lake and like anything past was <laughs> american fork yeah. To like about Cedar City, is just like pitch black. Like there's yeah. like if you drive at night, there's nothing. And then um, <laughs> and then you'll get like a little random gas station here and there. And then um and then you get to like Cedar City area or whatever. You'll see signs for like quote unquote cities or towns or whatever, and you're like where where <laughs> the are they then? Like <laughs> I'm just like. <laughs> and they're all like Mormon names too. Like there's.
1: Like, yes, me too. Like,
0: like, oh, like, what the, what the, anyway Wait, where's the <laughs> This is your host, Jake Taylor, Um, coming at you with the same shit. Um, You can uh, find me at notsopeterpriested on Instagram, and you can email me your stories, your uh, moments with Mormons, you can send whatever you want to do, uh, your gripes, your hate mail, your love letters, whatever, um, to notsopeterpriested at gmail.com. Um, and Dusty would be very proud of me for remembering to say all that without her prompting me. So, um, without further ado, I have a very special guest. Um, I mean, all the guests are special, but this one I'm very excited to have on the show. Um, partially because it took us like forever because I kept being a airhead. Anyway, but <laughs> so um, I'd like to welcome to the show Meg. Hello, Meg. Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> good. I'm good.
2: excited. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's good to have you on here. Um, I'm just, yeah, as I was saying, like we had this plan like a few times in a row, and I kept being like, oh, oh, sh- oh, I forgot about it, or you know, something would be. I just had like a weird day or like whatever. Anyway, but I wanted to be in the right mindset for this conversation. Um, so. Uh yeah, we'll uh, just, Meg is here to tell her story, and I hope that um, you listeners enjoy our conversation.
2: <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to say um, my story, if there was like a theme to it, I guess, would be like um, the effects that the Mormon church, and, and not just the Mormon church, but like religion in general has had on my mental health and the mental health of people that I love. And um, and so I think, like, that's kind of, like, the common thread, I think.
1: <laughs> <Perfect>. I <laughs> so okay.
2: for your listeners to you kind of, like, <laughs> buckle up, because some of these um, topics are a little bit heavy and definitely have to do with, like, uh, mental health and the sex. Um, okay. I also... Yeah, what?
0: Are there any, like, trigger warnings you may want to warn people about that... Um, yeah,
2: there, um, yeah, there's definitely some suicidal ideation, um, top, like, topics, uh, not topics, but yeah, some, I'll touch on that. Um, okay. that's not a major part of my story, but it will be brought up, um, okay. and just, like, parental, um, some abuse, so, like, parents, okay. family trauma type abuse, so,
0: yeah. The okay. listeners, if any of those things might, uh, affect you and you're not in the space to listen to something like that? Um, maybe skip this one for a while or and come back when you feel more ready about it. But um, thank you for giving us a heads up on that, Meg. <laughs> you yeah, can so go ahead and the floor is yours. <laughs>
2: okay, so I think um, I will start kind of. So I grew up in Minnesota and um, in like the suburbs of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and uh, in you know the 90s and the early 2000s so like I grew up in this type of family that was like you know well off and in the suburbs and it's just kind of like a,
0: I don't know um, I actually wondered because um, you said tag <laughs> you can tag <laughs> <me>. <laughs> earlier before recording and I was like that um, because I remember having a teacher. This is a random, anyway. But I had a teacher in high school that was from that area, and she, we always like noticed when she would say "bag" for "bag," yeah. or whatever. So, anyway, go on. <laughs> Not big, making fun of the accent, but no, I just no, no, I, 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 I heard things, it. And I, was like, oh.
2: <laughs> and I haven't lived in Minnesota for like over like probably 15 years. I don't know. I'm 33, so a long time, and I still like <laughs> can't get rid of the accent sometimes. So, um. But yeah, I grew up there and in the suburbs, and I just grew up in this type of family where like my parents just had this idea of what you know they wanted my life to look like. I feel like this is a, I cannot be the only person who's you know like that's got to be relatable. Having like kind of like the white suburban controlling parents who like wanted their kids to go to Ivy League school and like do really well and school and sports and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there was just a lot of pressure, very controlling type of household. And, um, and I grew up Catholic. That was kind of our, you know, my, my dad and my mom grew up Catholic and, um, you know, really active in the Catholic church when I was little and doing all the things, you know, like I was an altar girl and, um, did all the nativity plays. And I remember, you know, I didn't, um, like, I don't have any like bad memories of the Catholic church, but when I was a young teen, like 13, 14, all of my friends were going to this really big kind of like Christian church. And I really wanted to go to that. Um, cause all my friends were doing it and they have rock music. It was very cool. you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I just, my parents and I fought about that a lot. Um, and they were, you know, um, this is important to the story to kind of lead up to and i don't know yeah and i don't know how much to share like how much detail to go into but like my dad just you know very much a workaholic gone a lot very angry there was a lot of verbal abuse in the home there was you know a fair amount of like pushing and what i would call like light abuse i don't know like light physical abuse um in my house in when I became a teen, um, that just really escalated. It just became like constant fighting and I didn't want to be home anymore. And um, and and it was kind of constant fighting between my parents. And and then when I wanted to go to this other church, there was this big, huge, I remember this big, huge, like, problem because when you're 14, you get confirmed in the Catholic church and you have to, like, stand up in front of the congregation and, like, it's like a big congregation. It's like a regional thing, and you, or at least it was in my area, and you have to, like, you know, you have to like kind of pledge allegiance to the Catholic church and then denounce Satan. You had to do all these, you know, you have to like publicly say these things. Oh. I did not want to do that. <laughs> um, it just was just not like, in my comfort <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind yeah. of a, it, they have like multiple congregations that do it all at once. So it's like a big deal. And I just remember having this big fight about it. And we kind of came to an agreement that like, if I got confirmed, then my parents were okay with me. Um, kind of going to this other church and like being with my friends and stuff. So I ended up doing that and then going to this other church and it's, and this is where kind of like, I really started to find like a place for myself was at this other church and it was just big and I felt like, you know, I was part of this like cool crowd. All my friends were cool and they were like, you know. (laughs) worshiping all the time and I was in this like youth (laughs) leadership thing um and I just really loved it like I started talking about how I wanted to be like a youth pastor and I started just you know like you they have all these phrases in these churches you know like on fire for Jesus and you know (laughs) (laughs) we went on these like little mission trips and like um so I remember you know so I was there for a few years and but things at my house just kept going, kind of spiraling, kind of out of control. And I stopped, you know, wanting to be at home all the time. And, um, you know, I wasn't doing as well in school as my parents wanted me to. I wasn't doing, like, extracurricular stuff that they wanted me to do. I just, my life just wasn't going in this direction that they wanted me to go in. And, and, um, and I started to kind of tell people about how miserable I was at home, you know. And I look back on it and I'm sure I was like very depressed, but I didn't know that when I was a teenager and nobody like, you know, it, my parents never like wanted me to go to therapy or get me a tutor or they just were like yelling at me all the time.
1: Oh. And so
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I started to Yeah, I just I don't know. Yeah, I look back on it and I'm like, why I don't know. Um well, so to, Sorry. Um yeah.
0: just like I think like I don't know like back in that time like i feel like i mean i'm only what like five years older than you so like i can relate to that like mental health was not like uh yeah. was never on the forefront of anybody's minds i think it's just in the last few years it's become more of a like a household conversation that you can have you know about like mental health and like people are actually a little more aware of it but like like back in those days it was just like you didn't even it was wasn't even a Oh in yeah. Mind. and therapy was probably kind of it was a little more of like a like a you had to be crazy quote unquote to yes. go to you had to be in, uh, clinically insane or something you had to, to be like at some level to actually need therapy and when now we've discovered that like pretty much everybody needs therapy. Yes. <laughs> so.
2: Especially us that grew up in the 90s. I mean,
1: oh, like, yes. we need <laughs> right.
2: but no. It, it's just, it was, like, embarrassing, right, back then yeah. to say yeah. you needed therapy, or admit that your yeah. family had any problems, especially in this little community, this uh-huh. little suburb that I was in, um, so, yeah, 100%, like, I think now, you know, if, if I was a kid now, it would be all about therapy, it would be all about these things, because these things are more yeah. talked about, but, um, but, yeah, my parents are, like, two people that definitely should have had therapy in their lives (laughs) a a thousand percent and like never (laughs) um but so so yeah so things kind of spiral out of control it gets worse and worse and worse I start to tell people I start to reach out to my youth pastors who are all like you know college aged or a little bit older than college age right and they're cool right like I'm 14 I think these people are awesome you know Mm -hmm. and um and they're really involved in my life and uh so people start to get concerned. People start to tell me, "This isn't okay." Like what you're going through, like the constant screaming, the fighting, the the you know the super depression when I was at home, the when I at home, like, the things that my parents would tell me I was doing wrong. People are like, "This isn't okay." So I so I started to like kind of for the first time realize like things, you know, aren't the way they should be. Um, and when this kind of got back to my parents that. I was talking about our family. Um, they were, this was not okay. And they, they left one weekend. They said they were going to Vegas and they came back and I'm, I'm 15. Yeah, I'm 15 at this point. And they came back and sat me down and were like, we actually didn't go to Vegas. We went to this residential treatment facility in southern Utah in Cedar City and we are sending you there (laughs) you're it's like they they pitched it to me like a boarding school they're like it's it's like a school you're gonna go to the school um you need to get your grades up you need to get back on the right track like you know um your attitude is terrible and your you know this is this is what we're doing there was just like no um warning there was no discussion and they're like and we're leaving in five days or it was like four or five yeah yeah so they were like we they said to me that the people at this school um don't recommend giving warning so like a lot of these girls just like get woken up in the middle of the night and put on a plane or in a car and they drive down there but they were like but we think that you can handle saying goodbye to your friends, so we're giving you, you know, a few days to do that. Like, they're so generous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, geez. okay, thanks. Um, So, I'm just, like, I remember I told them, like, no fucking way. And it was the first time, I remember, was, this was the first time I ever swore at them. So, just <laughs> so we know. <laughs> it was the first time I ever F word, you know, because like if I would have swore my parents like growing up, I would have definitely got like slapped or something for sure. <laughs> um, so I but I remember it was, like the first time I said F word, and I felt very like empowered, but it didn't work. Um, <laughs> so I like tell my friends I'm saying goodbye, and there there was one friend in particular, a, a guy friend. We weren't dating or anything, but he was really I was really close to him and his mom just completely like did not think I should go and was super against it. And she was just like, no, you're not going, you're going to move out of your house. You're going to stay with us. And Uh you know, she's like, come over here. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to move in with this family for a little bit or something that did not work because my parents ended up calling the police and they put me in this psych ward for the night. They like locked me up and basically in the psych ward, they told me that, um, like, I had no rights. Like, this this dude, like, this psychiatrist guy, like, sat me down in this, basically what seemed like a jail cell to me, and was like, you don't have rights, you're a minor, and so, like, your parents can do this. I kept saying, like, they shouldn't be allowed to do this, like, I should be able to have, like, rights, and he, like, explains to me that there was, like, no situation where um, I could get out of this. So, I kind of resigned myself to it, and we flew to Utah and, like, did a very long drive to um, (laughs) Cedar City. Have you been to Cedar City?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's really pretty. I really like Cedar City. It is pretty. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I can, random note, this is, um, I can remember going there as a kid because my, they have, like, summer games there that you do, like, um, you do, my my dad did archery, and my oldest sister did archery, and they would always go down there for the summer games in Cedar okay. City. And I can remember, anyway, but um Cedar City, for listeners, that's, it's like, down by, it's southern Utah, down by St. George, like, just a little bit north of St. George. And there's, there is a college there, right? There's um Yes, yeah.
1: southern
2: Utah what, University, uh, or yeah. mm-hmm. S-U-U.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And it's not, like, it's kind of a mid-sized city, I would say, probably, like, I don't know, not, it's not huge. Well,
2: no, I think it's grown a lot in the last few years. Um, When I was there, this would have been, like, 2002, no, no, wait, 2003 or 2004 or something, Um, and back then, so to me, like, I, Minneapolis, St. Paul is not like a big city by any means, but it's like a city. Like when I flew to Utah, I was like, Where the hell am I? Like I thought it was I thought it was like the middle of nowhere. There was like (laughs) like I remember like driving for hours and there's like a pizza hut and a gas station. And I'm like, oh my gosh, sending me to like the middle of nowhere. And I knew nothing about Utah. (laughs)
0: Well I can so it's funny. So did you fly into Salt Lake?
2: I think if I remember, I think we flew into Vegas. So that's a
0: pretty Oh, that makes sense.
2: It's like very much a desert drive Mm -hmm. from Vegas to Cedar City. I can't I
0: there's nothing in between there either. Like Saint George but like the rest of that, like that drive from like all through nevada i'm sorry listeners if you're from nevada but i think it's like one of the ugliest states we have but like (laughs) just the parts i've seen i can't speak to all of it but like um and then i just laughed because like i I was picturing you flying into salt lake and like anything past (laughs) what is it American Fork
1: yeah
0: to like about Cedar City is just like pitch black like there's like if you drive at night there's nothing and then um, (laughs) then you'll get like a little random gas station here and there and then um and then you get to like Cedar City area or whatever you'll see signs for like quote-unquote cities or towns whatever and you're like where where the fuck are they, then? Like, I'm just saying. <laughs> <It's better. laughs> and they're all, like, Mormon names, too. Like, there's, like,
1: Yes, and Nephi. Like
0: Nephi, and, like, all I'm like, what the? What? Anyway. Wait,
2: where's the one with the temple? There's, like, a nice, there's, like, a cool temple. It starts with an M. Manti? Oh, man. Manti. Yeah, Manti. Yeah.
0: That's actually like good... <laughs> uh, where my parents were sealed, so. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I never got to
2: go to that temple, but and now I never will. But um, but I'm thinking <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: I've never been to it either, actually. Now that I think about it. But, Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah. So basically, the point of this is like, I was just like, this was a new thing for me, like the yeah. desert, in Utah. In and like,
1: yeah. Yeah,
2: I literally was like, where? What is going on? And and remember too, like back then, it wasn't like I looked this place up on the internet before we left. Like. Oh yeah. There, no, in there was the internet but there was like no I swear it was like AOL back then
1: yeah oh, so, yeah. The dial-up. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> yeah, like I wasn't like googling things and like finding all this <laughs> information I literally just landed there and was like where are they taking me that um was
0: terrifying
2: and, and I also was like traumatized because I had to like say goodbye to all my friends and I didn't know how long I would be there I thought maybe like a few months like I thought my parents very much made it seem like I was just, basically, I thought they were just trying to, like, scare me and, like, get me back on this, like, path they wanted me to do. And so I was just going to be there for a little bit, you know, and just come back. Um, But, yeah, so we get to the facility. And I call it the facility. Lots of people call these schools different names. Okay. Mm -hmm. Technically, it's a residential treatment facility. Uh Um, You know, whatever it's (laughs) um it's very much like a uh, like a prison and we pulled up and it's like a big house in like a neighborhood and I'm thinking okay this is a little weird and um and we walk in and it's just kind kind of
0: like like an inpatient type situation
2: yeah yeah like it's like you live at the the school, you live at the house. And so I just had such a little information about it. I think I was thinking it was like, um, I don't know, like I thought it was like, maybe like a school building or something. And then you like maybe sleep somewhere else. I don't re- totally remember what I don't remember like what exactly I was thinking of. I just remember pulling up and I was like, this is not what I thought it was. So it's like a very like sleepy little town, like road. And there's like a lot of like normal houses. And, um, and then this kind of like, it's a bigger, it, it's a bigger house, I guess. Um, and you just like pull up, and you're like, okay. So we go in, and well, I remember I didn't talk to my parents. I didn't talk to them at all. I'm, like not one word from like when we like flew to Salt Lake and like the whole drive or the Vegas, we the whole drive up to Cedar City. I like didn't talk to them at all. I was totally giving them the silent treatment. <laughs> and my mom like. <laughs> Kind of like weepy and crying, and I could tell she like didn't want to do this, but they were like trying to do this, and everybody was angry, and it was just like really really, really traumatic and so we get there, and I had like a suitcase, and immediately they start like they give me like a list or there was a list given to my mom, and they were like, these are the approved items. we have to go through your suitcase and like take everything that's not on this list. And so they start giving me, and the list is like, okay, you could have like seven pairs of underwear, seven pairs of socks, like whatever the pants were, shirts, like, and they took away everything else. So they took away like any um, personal items that I had, any addresses that I had, because I was like, oh, I'm going to write people letters, right, because mm-hmm. we did it, whatever, you know, yeah. I knew I would computer we didn't have phones <laughs> like um so like I oh, write people letters and I thought I was gonna write people letters and I thought I was gonna be able to call people so anyways yeah, they took every single personal thing that I had and then they gave me a plastic bag and they have, like put like a toothbrush in like you know you get like a plastic bag with your like toothbrush and toothpaste and stuff in it and then um and I think like the goodbye with my mom was really short and awkward and like. I could tell my mom like was crying and like, didn't want to like sob. And I was trying to be very like angry and mad. And I had to like, was not going to cry in front of my mom. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember trying to be like super like strong, but the reality was like, I was really, I was really fucking freaking out. Like I was really like, this is like maybe one of the most traumatic moments in my life where I realized like I have absolutely no control. Like my parents are literally dropping me off in this place. So Okay. So they leave, I'm here and I find out that it's just like completely not what I thought it was going to be. So like, I'm not allowed to have shoes. All the doors and windows are locked. I, you don't even get outside time until like, I didn't even go outside, like outside, I didn't even step outside for like three months. And what? basically, yeah, like basically this facility is like, um, like as a point system, it's a level system. So there's six levels. And you start at level one, you have to work your way to level six to graduate the program and like leave the school. And how quickly you progress in those levels, like all depends on your behavior. And every level you get like different, um, like, perks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Like, you can't listen to me, like, I don't remember totally everything. I just remember like a few things like, you can't listen to music until you like have a level four and you can't like um, you have to like ask to leave or enter a room in the house and you can't. And like every time you enter a room or every time you have to leave a room, you have to ask like, may I enter this room? Can I leave this room? Like on level five. You don't have to do that anymore. Stuff like that. Um, um, wow. Like, and it, yeah, level six. I think you can like pick your own clothes. That was really random. And um, I remember um, like I asked him, yeah, go ahead. It,
0: did you have to wear like a un uniform? Like a like scrubs or like or like a no. uniform? <laughs> so yeah,
2: no, it wasn't it like, wasn't a uniform, but it had to be like um there were rules about the clothing. So it was very much like and I look back. Like, okay, the people that own this place were Mormon. <laughs> uh,
1: okay.
2: <laughs> um, I look back at this wow. and like it was yeah, everything was like very modest and weird. And mm-hmm. I don't think you could have brand names on your clothes. Weird, just weird, random rules like that. So you you yeah. know they have to be like, you know, green t shirts or something. I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um.
0: And how so that, so, how many yeah. uh, about how many, I guess patients at a time? How many?
2: So it's all girls, and there were probably between 20 and 30 girls there at any time. So sometimes there was a little less, sometimes there was a little more, but there was never more than, like, 30, 25, 30 girls at one time. And the garage was, like, just, like, hollowed out, like, renovated and had carpet in it and, and a bunch of desks, like, school desks like, the little chairs and school desks, and in, like, rows.
0: Give me super creepy vibes, and I'm just, like... (laughs) Yeah,
2: and so everybody just went to school in the same room, so that's the school part of it, like, but it wasn't a school, like, this is not a school, this is, like, so technically they're accredited, I don't even know how, because there was no learning, like, there was one teacher for all these girls, and um and we just basically worked on workbooks like while we were there like during the day and like we could ask questions and stuff but like it was not school like nothing about this is school <laughs> so basically i come to find out it's like a facility for like really troubled girls and really troubled youth and these girls were you know one girl was like selling herself having sex with men who were like 40 you know a lot of these girls cut themselves a lot of these girls were addicted to drugs um a lot of them drank, some of them were LDS, most of them were not, um, one girl was there because she stole a car and was court-ordered to be there, so I'm looking around, and I'm like, I don't belong here, like, because just for context, like, I'm 15, (laughs) I had never, drink a single drop of well i drank like champagne once when i was 10 with my parents at a new year's party um but i i didn't drink i had never had sex i had never even kissed a boy like i <laughs> was just very much like a really nerdy kind of non cool kid like i just had like church friends like I, was a, I like you were just you know.
0: depressed like
2: yes like, i was just like, a very, like, <laughs> like <laughs> I was just like a depressed teenager that just wanted to like sing about jesus all day long <laughs> like it's just um and and I like very much like felt like I don't belong here and like how could they send me to this place and I really started to push back like I really started to fight the system like I could tell people all the time and they would call me a liar they call me like telling me i was manipulating them and come to find out like my parents told them like i was feeling out of school they told them i was having inappropriate relationships with the male pastors like the young male pastors at the church which i was not like i mean i'm sure i had hugged them you know we were we saw we were close at church but i had never been alone with any of these men i had never i don't in my opinion i never had any kind of inappropriate relationship with them um it was all just like fun hanging out church stuff you know Mm -hmm. um so come to find out they like all these things to make it seem like I was really you know I I personally think that they didn't know they wanted me to be a certain way I wasn't fitting that mold and then I was talking about kind of the abuse and the problems in our family which was very embarrassing to them I think that in their heads they wanted me gone um Yes, that does make them really shitty parents. Like, I have major issues with them. Um, they're, We've reconciled a lot, and I can talk more about that later. But at the time, like, I don't know what was going through their heads because now I have two kids, and I'm like, I would never do this to them. Even if they were, like, sleeping with other people or drunk every day, <laughs> like, I would yeah. never send them to a facility like this. It was really, really bad. So I find out there's this point system and I have to, there's um, all these really cruel consequences too. So if you break a rule, there's like a hundred rules. If you break a rule, like you have to write like a thousand word essay, like handwrite it. You only get like one sheet of paper. So you have to like cram it in and um, you'd have to like talk about really personal things, like in a group setting. You couldn't like... If you said something wrong, if you if they thought you were lying to them, if you uh, forgot to wear socks, like one time I didn't wear socks and I came downstairs and I had to write 500 words about that and just really weird things. And then you lose points, too. And every time you lose points, you can't make it to your next levels and get your like perks and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to work really hard and like beat the system and get out of here in a few months. Um, but that didn't happen. I was there for 11 months, almost a year. And, um, and yeah, like I said, like I, like the first few months I spent crying, I spent fighting and then I kind of figured it out and I realized that I better just like say what they wanted me to say and do what they wanted me to do. <laughs> or I was never going to like get out of here. So it really just breaks you down. The owner of the facility, his name is Daniel Taylor. I have no problem calling this guy out. He actually has, long after I left, he was actually charged and arrested for rape, for abuse of a minor, like um, multiple girls at the facility um, accused him of sexually abusing them, And he was never, um, he was charged and arrested. He was never put in jail because a judge deemed them not emotionally stable enough to um, testify or something, you can look all this up on the internet, so this is on the internet, like, this whole situation, I think it was, like, in 2013, whatever, but this guy was not a good guy, Um, he would, not a good guy at all, he like had us do free labor on his house. Like he'd have us go like clean his house and like paint his house and stuff. And we all thought like, oh, this is so great because it's like getting out of the facility. You had to be at a certain level, right? So only like level three, four, fives could go. And we it was like, oh, such a privilege to go clean this guy's <laughs> house. <laughs> um and he was constantly, like, talking about our weight. Like, he'd come into the facility, he would, like, say, um, my weight was always, like, a big deal. Like, not just me, but, like, the, all the girls in general. But it was always, like, you know, just really cruel stuff. Like, he'd be like, oh, make sure these girls don't get seconds today. Or, like, you know, oh, we got to make give these girls an extra 30 minutes of exercise today. You guys are looking chubby. Or just, like, shit like that all the time. Um, just really cruel guy. And he every time he was around he, everybody the staff everybody was just like on edge um yeah not my favorite person yeah,
1: um, for good in,
2: yeah in contrast the staff were like pretty awesome like they were all women except for one or two males and um Oh, by the way, if you got out of line, you could get restrained. So I never got restrained, but they could physically pin you down. And I saw it happen multiple times. Like if you started cussing them out or, you know, one girl came and she was full on like detoxing from drugs. Like she must have been like I don't know, 14, 15. And this girl was like, you know, very much should have been in a hospital. Okay. And like when you're detoxing drugs, like you do and say things that you don't really have control over. Right. She was just restrained, locked in a room. Like, I mean, the stuff that happened at this facility, it's just like none of it was okay, in my opinion. So this is like happening all the time.
0: Is this facility still around? Like No, it's it's closed
2: after the allegations I think it of um abuse, I think it closed. But so that was around 2013.
0: That's wild. I keep picturing um I don't know why, but have you ever seen Girl Interrupted? <laughs> like,
2: yes, I just recently watched that movie, actually, because I never wanted to watch it because when, you know, I was a yeah, member well, of church, be... I'm like, oh, it's rated R or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, oh, now I'm watching all the rated R movies and I definitely <laughs> just watched that. And it's actually a little bit triggering for me because I was yeah, like, this is a little bit dense. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. Oh, wow. and we used to have these, like, really interesting, um like, group meetings. Where they would like teach us how to have like life skills, and it was all about like cooking and like homemaking and like how to like make ourselves like put on makeup, like shit that Relief Society people talk uh, about, <laughs> you know, just like preparing us to be like women of, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um,
0: preparing you to be Mormons basically. I mean,
2: yeah, that's. So, well, so so let's clarify, this was definitely not, like, we were not allowed to talk about religion, uh, and, like, I remember my parents saying, like, like to me very specifically, like, you are not to, like, go to church or learn about religion or, like, listen to the Mormon church, and I had never really heard about the Mormon church before this. Like, I had no interest in, like, the Mormon church. I'm like, I don't care, you know? Right. Uh, but they, <laughs> I wanted to go back and be, like, a youth pastor or whatever, and they, okay, so... I had only heard, like, weird things, like, you know, they're weird, don't, like, talk to them. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody at the facility was, like, actively talking about religion. I mean, weren't supposed to, but they were teaching a lot of, like, what I would say, like, young women values. Like, there was, like, it's called Integrity House, and I remember them talking about, you know, once I joined the church, I saw the young women values, and they talked a lot about those, you know, accountability and Mm. choice and whatever they all are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So... But anyways, um, but back to the story. So the staff were all college-age girls, women, and a lot of them went to SUU. And they would all – and they were cool. Like, I loved them. Like, I still love them. Um, and some of them were nicer than others, but I got close to a few of them, during my months here I would say like I was about level three so I had progressed enough I had kind of like gotten in line and like would do my therapy and like we weren't even allowed to talk to our families like I have a little sister and like I like remember you know and I'm an older brother too and but I remember like calling like wanting to call them you can't even call your family you can call them only during therapy which is like once a week and you have to be like like, the therapist is on the phone, like, you never had any privacy, like, so I could never say anything bad about the facility, they actually told us that if we said anything bad about the program, we, they, um, you know, the the phone call, the phone call would be hung up, you know, and they would just tell our parents that we were manipulating them, Um, and we didn't have any privacy to letters, we didn't have any door, there were no doors, except for the bathroom doors, Um, so yeah, the only time we were ever alone was, like, when we were actually physically going to the bathroom or in the shower and there were no locks. So Wow. Yeah. So just very much just Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Crazy.
0: Do the sleeping situation where you like, did you have a roommate or was it like you this, all had your
2: There parents? was yeah, there was like a few rooms upstairs that had like bunk beds and stuff. So we all kind of slept together. Um it, but it was like kind of step. there was like one or there were like three rooms maybe and I know, like, there was one room that was private. And if you were on level six, you got to have that room. And there was only, like, ever one level six when I was there. So it's not, like, a level everybody got to. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, so, yeah, no privacy. Um, But I got close to a few of these staff. and um, And, I mean, at this point, you know, like I said, like, I just... was very much just broken okay like I hadn't talked to anybody for months I was trying to just do the best I could live all the rules be as pleasant as I could um and I, I think at this point too some of them saw kind of the craziness of my parents um and I remember like a therapist um kind of finally believing me about you know what was going on at my home and why I was there and you know kind of start so she was kind of the first person that believed me right so I got very close to her like imagine like you know just the you know you're at the lowest point in your life and somebody's like I believe you finally
0: (laughs) Just Um, validated that way would be huge yeah Yeah. and this whole time you've been just kind of sounds like gaslighted even by your parents like totally. it, like is like made to feel like you're crazy like am i actually like and like i don't know just um and being unheard so yeah that's
1: yeah
0: like they weren't well, listening to your needs at all so yeah
2: yeah and just feeling like um yeah, I mean, yeah, just no control, just absolutely, like, yeah, just this, this, I guess, theme of just having, like, absolutely no control, like, Mm -hmm. um, so you just have to, they kind of break you, and you just have to figure out what they want you to do, what they want you to say, um, but at this point, like, I had grown really close to some of the girls, and these were girls, like, so I had never run into girls like this growing up, um, in my little suburb, and, (laughs) uh, so I definitely, when I first met them, um, you know, and they're girls probably from age 12 to 18 and we're all different ages. And, you know, I just thought they were like, try to stay as far away from them. Like they were, you know, tainted or something, you know, like I remember this like visceral feeling like, oh my gosh, these girls, like what they do, like who they are, you know, it's kind of just looking down on them, I think. Um, That very much changed over the course of the few months while I was there because, A, we were all trauma bonding, okay, because they were going through just as much trauma as I had (laughs) um, at the facility. And then just being – there was something – we weren't allowed to talk about past, like, sins or whatever – with each other that was a huge like consequence so if they found us talking about whatever things we had done before the facility like in private we would get like written up for that and we'd have to write all these essays and lose points Mm -hmm. you could only talk about things that you had done in your previous life in these group therapy sessions where we all had to like confess terrible sins and we all had like if you didn't have like i like lied like i would lie about shit all the time because if you didn't say anything they would be like well you're just manipulating us and you're lying so you just have to say what they want you to hear
0: (laughs) just play the game and yeah yeah
2: um but I just started to fall in love with these girls. And that was like the first thing that I think really just kind of changed for me when I was there was I just loved them so much. And we were like sisters and I felt like I never loved anybody more. I felt like i never had best friends like them and they were all hilarious and wonderful. And, um, that like actually physically changed me. And I just started to find like connection with them. Um, uh, and then connection with this one therapist. So I'm finally feeling pretty good. You know, I'm like four months into this. I've climbed a few levels I love these girls I'm I'm not crying myself to sleep every night at this point (laughs) like um (laughs) and this therapist who is LDS um her and I get really close so I start to ask her about the church like I knew she was LDS um she knew that I was like Christian and she just started kind of like sharing with me some things about the church um She believed me that I was really unhappy at home and my parents were super controlling and abusive. And and so, yeah, we just kind of bonded and it grew to be like inappropriate. I didn't think that at the time, but yeah, she was sharing with me stuff about the church. I became really interested in the church. And then I started to ask the other staff. I didn't ask the girls because that was not allowed, but I started to ask the staff about the church. They started teaching me about the church just verbally, not like giving me any information or no any materials. And then I started getting like perks. Like I started being able to stay up late, like after everyone else went to bed. We would like talk about the church with the staff and they like just really kind of took me under their wing. It became like this little, I don't know, pet or something.
1: <laughs> um,
2: and at the time, like I really genuinely wanted to learn and get close to them. Um you know, looking back, I don't know if it was just, like, a coping mechanism for, like, what I was going through, but, but yeah, I ended up, like, really wanting to join the church, and they would, like, write down passages from the book of Mormon and like slip them to me. Like I remember like them get like someone to give me like a workbook and there'd be like pages of the book of Mormon in there, like copy. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: Like one time, like they would like one time we stayed up late. Like I remember one of them drew me like a picture of all the circles on the plan of salvation and taught me about the plan of salvation. And they told me about Joseph Smith. So I'm just like loving it. And I'm just like looking forward every time somebody wants to tell me about the church. Right. And eventually like, I end up, like, telling them, like, I am going to join the church, and I'm going to, like, tell my parents, and I'm going to, like, you know, move back to Utah. I mean, I'm like, poor, just stupid. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm like, but I'm just, like, enamored. Like, I'm sold. Like, I feel the spirit, right? They tell me, like. If you feel the feelings, whatever, like that's the spirit. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking I'm feeling the spirit like crazy, like, because every time I'm up late learning about the church, I'm feeling so good. You know, I'm feeling so loved. I'm feeling like, you know, so I end up just falling in love with the gospel and I loved it. And, um, and yeah, I ended up um, eventually like progressing through the levels and my parents finally, you know, We're done paying for it. By the way, this costs more than there's like it says this online. It costs more to go to this facility than it does to go to Harvard for a year. It's like forty or fifty grand a year to go to this place, which is insane.
0: That guy's rolling in the money because like twenty or thirty girls at a time, and they're all paying what you said 40 grand, 40 grand,
2: 40 grand. Yeah. Um, there's one place online that says 50, but I don't know. I mean, that, you know, probably was a little less when I was there, but yeah. So, and he did, he was building this like massive house on the side of the mountain. And, you know, the girls would go help at that place too. And <laughs> like free, free labor. <laughs> um. So, so I ended up leaving the facility at some point and I'm just devastated because I have, like, I really wanted to stay, and I asked my parents to stay, and they were, of course, like, no, we want to come back, um, they wanted me to, like, repeat the grade of high school, I was, like, a sophomore when they pulled me out, they wanted me, like, repeat high school, I'm, like, no, I didn't do any of that, but, um, so, yeah, so they, I end up, like, I know my parents don't want me to, go back, go, like, investigate the church, so I just hide all that from them, Um, but I had written in my journals, and I had, like, sent some emails to this therapist, and they eventually end up finding that, and they find out that I've kept all this from them, and the therapist has kept all this from them, and so they just get really pissed,
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. and
2: you know they cut off communication with these people and I'm not allowed to talk to anybody and they like threatened to sue these people and they threatened to take all their jobs and like they just get they go like way far like beyond so so everybody that was talking to me at the facility like just cut off communication with me because and I'm devastated like I'm so mm-hmm. hurt by this. but they were doing it to kind of like save themselves <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which is understandable so they really thought they were doing the right thing by teaching me the gospel, yeah. and anybody that's been Mormon, um, it has beaten to your brain that the gospel solves all issues, and mm-hmm. everybody needs to join the church, and this is what Heavenly Father wants. So I was getting this like rhetoric that like God or Heavenly Father like I was so special that Heavenly Father brought me to Cedar City to learn mm-hmm. about the gospel.
0: Yep, they made um, it like it's divine intervention, and you're yeah, and this was. They never say fate, but it's just like, yeah, this is all part of God's plan, and this is how you were supposed to, you were meant to come here, and like, yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. No, it's so 100%. So imagine like how broken I am and how like tumultuous my teenage years have been, and then now I'm like feeling like Heavenly Father picked me, right? And all this trauma um, that I've been through was all for this like brilliant reason. Um, so of course I like held on to that, you know, and I was really excited to finally join the church and I had to wait like a year and a half almost between the time I came back and then the time I turned 18 and I had called like missionaries or I hadn't called missionaries directly, but I had looked up online, like how to call like a church and I had talked to a bishop, I think at one point on the phone and he kind of explained to me like, you cannot, like we cannot baptize you without your parents permission you know um so you know people were just telling me like sorry you're just gonna have to wait you know um so so yeah so, I mean what
0: real quick um it's just so what was it was there anything in particular that made you like or was it just like the feeling of it like was there something about the gospel that you were just like that's like either you know you like yeah. really dug your, um, dug into that you were like, yeah, this is why. Like, what was it that made you want to join? Like, cause I, I know you had the connection with the, yes, staff and the therapists. But like, was there some part of like the doctrine that you were into or?
2: Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I think, so I already was really into the Bible and that was a big part of my life because I was the first other church. And so there was a few things, like one thing was, I always kind of felt like, why is the Bible, like there's that kind of like obscure verse and revelation that every Christian talks about, about like this book is shut and there's no more revelation. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I kind of instinctually thought that I was kind of like not true and so it was really cool to hear from the church that like we have more revelation and of course this isn't the end um of revelation so that I remember really stuck in my head the other thing was just eternal families like all the staff and the therapists everything like I had this dream of like having a family and like having to be happy and they were giving me this idea that like all the families in the church were like amazing (laughs) sorry I laugh because it's everyone in the church is the same as like everyone else families are tough you know (laughs) um (laughs) so so it's funny because you know but I thought like if I joined the church like I was gonna have this happy family Mm -hmm. um and then yeah and then I think it was just that they were telling me over and over again like Heavenly Father had sent me here and this is what he wanted and like, I was, spe- you know, special, kind of, you know, like, um, and I really wanted to believe that. So I wanted to believe that, yeah, like, prophets were real and God was speaking to us because he loves us. And I wanted to believe that, like, I could have an eternal family and I would be happy one day. Those would be, like, the two major things. So,
0: oh. I just feel so, like, you're a kid and you've been, like, this whole time, your whole, like, the trauma growing up and with your Family, not like your parents, not listening to you and treating you like garbage, you know, and just um, all you wanted to do was to be loved and to be heard and seen, yeah. and finally these people are paying attention to you and they're telling you you're special, and yeah. they're, you know, so obviously you're gonna like gravitate to love that. it. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um. So yeah, I mean, I'm sold. Like, I would have died for the church. Like, I you know, I waited till I was 18, um, which was very difficult, um, again, I was just really depressed, like, when I was, when I came home, and so, you know, in my head, too, it was like, well, I won't be so depressed when I can finally get baptized, right, like, when I can finally have the gift of the Holy Ghost, um, and, and, yeah, but I, but I had never been to church, I was never, you know, um, they never, like, took me to a sacrament meeting or anything, and they never actually physically gave me a copy of the Book of Mormon, because um, we all knew that they were not supposed to be teaching me the gospel. Like, if I had any <laughs> awareness, like, we all knew it was secret, you know? I mean, they were teaching me at night after people were going to bed. They were they were writing down scriptures because they knew they shouldn't be giving me the Book of Mormon. So maybe it was just my naturally rebellious spirit that drove me to the gospel. Right. <laughs> <don't know>. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I just, I waited till I was 18. And, you know, my, the, the I knew that if I joined the church, my parents would cut me off. And, you know, again, they're really wealthy people. They, you know, bought me a car when I turned, when I got home, and they were going to pay for school. And then, you know, just like, whatever, um, So I knew I'd be losing all of that, and I knew they were going to be super upset, um, kick me out, and, I mean, these were fights that we had already had, like, really bad fights. I think the worst time I had with my parents was after I came home from the facility and then before I turned 18. That was kind of, like, the height of the abuse and the fighting and just terrible things. Um, I ran away multiple times. They finally – I ended up going to, like, a community college, and they finally let me live out of the home, and then I even – spent a semester at a Baptist college because they thought if I went to this Baptist college, then I wouldn't want to be Mormon anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Baptist college is interesting because they totally turned me even harder to the gospel because they kept talking about hell and sending people to hell and all this stuff and I love that the Mormon church was like not hell oriented you know what I mean they got outer darkness but they don't talk about it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so I turn 18 and I go and I'm like I make the decision that I'm going to join the church and I tell my parents and they just like kick me out before I told them though I had contacted the missionaries and I was like hey I'm 18 I've been waiting to get baptized and they were like whoa yay okay um very excited and I said but I I don't have a place to live. Like, I was like, I'm not going to tell my parents because I don't have a place to live. And they were like, we'll fix that for you. They like found another gal and her mom, she just like a single mom who had a daughter who was my age, who was 18. And they like talked to them and they were like, yeah, you can live with us. (laughs) So this like family that never met me before totally was like, yeah, she's getting kicked out of her house for joining the church. Like, yeah, she can live with us. Um, (laughs) So, they, like, set this up, and they, like, wanted to meet, and so I meet the missionaries, and I tell them my whole story, and, of course, they're just, like, over the moon about it. Like, yeah. I serve a mission. Like, nobody ever came to me and told me what I told <laughs> Oh, <them> I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's like, silver platter. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, so they're, they're over the moon about it. They're super cute guys. They're, you know, what are they? 19, you know, yeah. I'm 18. I'm so excited to meet other Mormons again. And, um, and yeah, I go to church with them that first Sunday and then for the first time. And then literally the next Sunday I got baptized. Oh, wow. So I went to church. They said I'd to go to church twice. I think that was the rule. So. Wow. I went to church the first Sunday and then the second Sunday after church, I got baptized. Um, and then they were like, um, yeah, we have to teach you all these lessons. Right. I didn't know. I knew a lot about the church because I had kind of like snuck in libraries and I had looked up stuff and I'd look at stuff online a little bit too. So I knew like enough about the church that I knew, um, you know, what I was getting into, you know, I knew about all the commandments, and I was super ready to live all those the commandments and stuff, um, and I was super, super excited about it, and I had applied to BYU, and I got into BYU um to go, like, in January, so I got baptized in May of 2008, and then I had, like, applied to BYU, like, the day I got baptized, um, so I could say it was on oh. that because i knew like i didn't know what i was going to do with my life like i literally had nothing you know my parents totally freaked out totally kicked me out um so yeah my big plan was going to byu so so they you know so okay so (laughs) so far everybody in my mormon like my mormon story here has acted inappropriately um not because they were trying to be, right? Like, these are great right, people right. that I'm talking about. The therapist, the staff, this this gal that took me into her home, the missionaries, all great people, right? All acting completely inappropriately because of who I am and what my circumstance was. But they thought they were doing the right thing by me, you know? Of course they did, because the gospel is true, right? So it's um, it turns out it's not true for any listeners out there. I'm sorry. Um
0: <laughs> um, (laughs) 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 sorry,
2: it's not, but I wasn't told the whole truth about it. Um, but yeah, so, so I say that not to like rag on people and I'm sorry because I, I genuinely love all these people I've been talking about and I still do. Um, but I say this because then what happens with these missionaries again, is just more, um, trauma And, and this is a trigger warning. This is like, a little bit of sexual assault here this is a little sexual assault story by these missionaries but they are teaching me these lessons and um they're like well we gotta meet like multiple times a week because there's all this stuff to go through and of course i'm loving spending any time with them and i'm like sleeping on these people's floor on this like mattress on the floor and so like i don't have anything to do so i'm seeing them all the time and they like started inviting me back to their apartment, which is not allowed. <laughs> um, and oh. we spending time alone at their apartment. And this other girl, too, like, joins us sometimes. Um, so I don't remember how many times I had been to their apartment. But, like, one time while we were there, I was, like, in a room alone with one of the missionaries. And he kisses me. And I kind of have a basic understanding that like missionaries aren't supposed to be dating um right. but I didn't have like a huge understanding of like how, like how important that rule was like now yep. that I've served a mission i I totally get how like that would not you you know what I mean. you served a mission, you know what I, mean. yep. <laughs> um, I
0: I'm just like gasping inside I'm just like, what, They're do- I know. what? <laughs>
2: it's, it's embarrassing, and um. And, but he ends up kissing me and then we end up horizontal on the couch and he's on top of me. He's touching me everywhere. I feel his boner. This is my first kiss. This is my first sexual experience. <laughs> this, one. Yeah. And, um, I think once I played spin the bottle in middle school, but the stuff, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is my first sexual experience. I was very, very uncomfortable. Um, and I genuinely really liked this guy. Like, you know, I, I loved these guys. They were like young and fun and, and cute and baptizing me, giving me salvation for crying out loud. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm horizontal with them on a couch and I don't know what to do. And I kind of just have that freeze effect. And, I am not kidding you, but I didn't realize that I was sexually assaulted until I left the church. I left the church last year, so it's been about six months, and um, I'm newbie. I'm a new exmo, and um, I didn't realize that this was a form of sexual assault um, until I left the church and started listening to podcasts. So like your podcast when your very first podcast, when you talk about the um masturbation and missionary. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> that one talks about consent and talks about sexual assault. There's a lot of Mormon story podcast episodes I've listened to where girls are talking about their experiences. And I literally am listening to these podcasts because I'm just like as, when I left the church, that's like all I did was listen to podcasts and I still do, like very regularly, yeah. but I was having like daily panic attacks when I first left the church and right. podcast saved my life <laughs> and oh. still, still continue to save my life. Like I'm still you know, <laughs> finally feeling okay. But, um, but I just remember like being like, Oh my gosh, you know, and I, and I, I did seek some therapy, um, a few months ago and I talked about this. And I was just realizing how this experience really shaped the next few years in the church and how, um, after this happened to me and I felt so like gross about it. Um, and this guy, he like told me he wanted to marry me and God had told him wanted to marry me and he was gonna come on for his mission and we were gonna be together. And I'm just not feeling that way. Like I'm just feeling like I I like you, but I this is I felt really gross about it, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um Aww. and so shortly after that, I like left and went to Utah and Because I was going to go to BYU and I remember like writing him and he was still a missionary and being like, you need to like confess to this and I don't want to talk to you again. (laughs) And yeah, I, I remember just being like, I don't want to talk to him again. And I felt so bad because I felt like I caused him to like, um, mess up. Like, it was totally my fault. Like, I totally internalized that. And I, so to this, like, day, I'm still processing, like, you know, why it wasn't my fault. And the fact that he, he also wasn't taught about consent, because there's no sexual education in the church, you know?
0: There's nothing. Nothing. So this, is Like, even... I feel like consent hasn't been even, just like how we were talking, mental health hasn't been, like, really in the forefront of anything. Consent is also, like, kind of a, quote-unquote, new concept that a lot of people are, like, we're finally being more open about.
2: Yes, Yeah,
0: and, um, (laughs) like, I didn't hear about consent until, like, I mean, I always knew it as a concept, I think, but, like, to think of it, like... That should be on the forefront of your mind whenever you engage in some sexual activity. Like I never thought of that. Like um I purposely I don't know. I mean you always think like, oh yeah, of course you're not like if they say no, then yeah, do yeah. do it. But like you don't I don't know, there's, like there's no still communication. like that. Yeah. And um like I remember being at uh tech school in the Navy and I'm sitting here like almost thirty and they're talking about consent and I'm like mind blown. I'm just like I couldn't even like I was just like huh that makes sense. You know, right. and um and then I proceeded to be I've talked about it before where I was a victim advocate for the the Navy yes. and um yes. I love So hearing you talk about this um experience like totally brings up a lot of the thing like the things that they talk about like um you talk about it being embarrassing which um I totally understand like but that's part of the like internalizing that you were doing to it and um like putting it on yourself because
1: yeah
0: I think even in our like just in society in general we put the onus is on the woman usually mm-hmm. and um and just like and it shouldn't be that way because like and, or the victim I guess I mean there's male and female victims of rape but like the um or sexual assault but the um what I'm trying to, what was I trying to say? Um, I just like I just want to let you know that you had that was at, that wasn't your doing. That wasn't your. You was out of right. control, and I I feel like you're aware of that now. But like just to kind of have that validated again, thought that might be helpful to you. But yeah. um, that's and you're feeling your feeling of wrongness is because something was taken from you, and that's and honestly from somebody that you trusted and somebody that you saw as a figure of you know like salvation and religion and like these that's horrible that they that he felt like he could take that from you and like that he could do that to you and it was fine um but like you said he also didn't know it really any better so there's just kind of like there's two sides to that but at the same time he really shouldn't have on where he did.
2: <laughs> no, and that's and that's like the liberating part of realizing that it isn't my like it's not my fault and I don't know, like, fault, like, almost fault doesn't matter, right? Because it doesn't matter whose fault it is, or if it's someone's fault, the feelings of shame and guilt, and yeah, this unworthiness feeling is there. And that's what has to be, like, kind of treated. And, you know, and the you know, for years, for a few years after this happened, I was so embarrassed by it. I never told anybody. I I always felt like I needed to confess it to the bishop. Um, and I never did. And it wasn't until I was going on my mission, I felt like I'm not gonna be worthy to on a mission unless I talk about it. And I went to a bishop and I told him about it, like sobbing, like I'm so upset about this. Like I'm so upset about it. Um, And I've been carrying the shame around for years and uh and he just kind of like laughs it off like oh like you know like it wasn't a big deal to him that this had happened and kind of is like well okay thanks for telling me but like yes you're worthy to go on a mission so I was like glad that I was worthy to go on a mission but at the same time like you know, again, this theme of, like, at every point in this story, like, I had serious, like, mental health problems that were never addressed, never um, given treatment for, even by, like, people that should know what they were doing, and the answer was always just the gospel, it was always just righteousness, like, that was, that's supposed to fix, like, the problem, yeah, Yeah, it's supposed to fix everything, and it never fixes anything, (laughs) yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) So, so, go ahead.
0: I can remember distinctly my, um, so my sister, my oldest sister passed away. Oh goodness. 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago. And, um, I can, I obviously went into some deep depression during that time when, with the grief and everything. And, um, I can distinctly remember my mom saying, you can go to therapy if you want, you know, like no one's going to judge you if you go to therapy. And I'm like, and I remember distinctly thinking like, why would they judge me? Like, why would like, it's something I need, you know, like, I, and because of that statement though, I didn't go because I was like, Oh, well people are going to judge me. So like, you know, yeah. and now I've been to therapy, but like, like that was still back in the time, back in the day when it was like still that like, right. Um, taboo. Sh- taboo. Yeah. Um, And looking back on it, I should have just gone, but yeah. you know, um, but just like it was always just like you said, like it's always just turn to the gospel, turn, yeah. read the Book of Mormon, pray, you don't do all this stuff, and then your problems will go away, and yeah. you know that's, and it's just it's really just ignoring the problem and just push putting it under the rug, so
2: well, and then, yeah, and then you go on a mission, I went on a mission, I went to Colorado. And yeah. I was really depressed. I huh. was struggling. And yeah. what are you told on mission is like uh. just live the commandments harder. All the little tiny oh, yeah. work yeah.
0: harder. Go tracking more. <laughs> Go do yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, where in yeah. Colo- like were you in Denver area? Or?
2: <laughs> it was the North Denver mission, and so it was like Fort Collins, and it was. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I <clears throat> I just I just moved from there, so. <laughs>
2: yeah. Where did you live in Colorado?
0: I lived in Aurora, and yeah. yeah, and then um, I actually saw the missionaries a lot there, like randomly, just in random places. Uh, there was one time I like honked at them, <laughs> like <honestly. laughs> uh, yeah, yeah,
2: awesome. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I I really had this like you know I I was going to BYU. I was I was severely depressed at BYU too. I did not do well at BYU. I I never even graduated, but that's a whole different thing. But I wasn't doing well of my classes. Um, I had great friends. Like I still to this day, like never had friends like that. Like loved everybody at BYU. Mm-hmm. And um, now I don't like BYU because of a lot of reasons. But, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but back then it was like the best thing ever. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just, I, I always felt bad. I always felt bad that I was, uh, I carried around feelings of shame. I wasn't ever—I never thought that I was pretty enough, right? Like you know, all the girls. I swear, every Mormon girl at BYU is so oh, damn pretty. Um, you never feel good enough, right? Like I never well, felt like the boys like my...
0: all want the little tiny blonde <laughs> with the. the... <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: if you've grown up in the '90s and you're a girl, you definitely wanted to be blonde because everybody was blonde. That was hot. Like it's like a thing, you know.
1: Um, <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> but it's just like oh. Ugh. Um, ugh you know, so, 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 like, hate myself, I hate this past, I feel like no one, you know, people are going to, like, judge that, I feel like people are going to judge the fact that I have this, like, the facility, like, you know, like, people would know about that, and, like, it would be so terrible, like, not doing well in school, because I can't focus, because I'm just, I'm just really messed up, um, and then I think going on a mission is going to fix all this, and it, um, it did not fix anything. I couldn't sleep on my mission. I remember my mission president telling me to take Benadryl because I wasn't sleeping. So he's like, "Just pop a few Benadryl." Yeah, he's not a doctor. <laughs> 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 I, and I, lo- my mission president was a good guy. I, I yeah. thought, you know, I thought he was a really good guy. But again, just giving this really random ass advice. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I actually like,
0: have a story about Benadryl on my mission too. <laughs> oh my god! So, <laughs> just real quick, yeah. I, <laughs> it's my, um, so I I was in Florida and I got these random bites on my hand and my fingers were swelling, and I'm just like, what's going on? I'm freaking out, you know. And then, um, like, there was one night, like it got so bad like my hands were hurting and I was like I don't know what's going on so I was freaking out so we called this the mission president's wife and she was actually a nurse before she retired and oh, yeah. so um she uh she she did not want to send anybody to any she was like she tried to do whatever she could to like lower the medical costs and like make it so that um so oh,
1: of course
0: yeah yeah and then um <laughs> yeah. so she's just like them to she was she's talking to my companion i was freaking out so i because i and i couldn't talk i was just like kind of like rocking back and forth like what's gonna happen (laughs) like i couldn't take like and then um he's like uh she told my companion to give me some benadryl so i take some benadryl and then like a couple hours later still no. the swelling is not going down and i'm really freaking out this time and then she call he calls him her again and then she gives us permission to go to the urgent care so we go to urgent care i'm already kind of high as a kite on benadryl or mm-hmm. and i'm just like um and then i get to the urgent care and they give me a shot of i think benadryl they give me and <laughs> so i'm double dot like oh, no rippled it's like i had already taken a ton of benadryl and then so <laughs> and then i get like i was so high like it was wild i have never like <laughs> i we were driving um home and they were like do, the mission, my companion and like the other set of missionaries were there and they were like driving all crazy on purpose because they knew i was high and then like i got back to my apartment and i thought that I had this little stuffed dog that I had on my mission, and my high brain thought that I was it was like going to bite me, so I put it <laughs> under the bed. And then I was like, I thought that the room was tilting, so I'm like sitting there like rolling around on the bed. <laughs> 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 and then um, yeah. what else? And then I thought that my alarm clock because it was had red numbers, it was. Um, like, I thought it was, like, the devil, <laughs> so I was, like, freaking out about it, and then I just passed out, and then, yeah. yeah I... and did you
2: sleep for, like, two days, because seriously, yeah. that, is, like, knocks me out.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, we didn't do anything the next day, like, yeah. um, and the swelling still never, like, it went down, but it was, like, I don't, I still, to this day, have no idea what it was that I was, like, allergic to, or something. Yeah. and then, like, I had another, like, it finally went down. Anyway, uh, one of the ladies, I think she was the branch president's wife. She had me like put tea on it, and that like helped. And then,
2: well, there it, you go. At least it helps. <laughs> and
0: then, um, and it actually that was the only thing that like, like made it work. And then, um, but nobody knew. Nobody could tell me what it was. I was like, has anybody ever seen this before? Like, is this normal? <laughs> it's <Anyway>. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh God. Anyway, sorry to go off on that track, but it's, I had to, you brought up Benadryl on the mission and just made yeah. me do <laughs> <laughs>
2: Maybe every missionary has, like, a Benadryl story. I feel like there's, not
0: like, sure,
1: yeah.
2: no, like, Ugh. isn't it wild, though, that, like, grown-ass adults like us on missions, like, couldn't go to the, like, couldn't we couldn't go to the emergency room. We had to, like, get permission from yeah. somebody who's usually not trained if you're... Yeah if it's a nurse that's good but like usually people that aren't trained and they have like give us permission to go do stuff like that like it's not okay um yeah but uh but yeah my mission like was hard um and really great moments but also just like missions psychologically are not healthy we could talk about that for four days but we won't so (laughs) (laughs) um but, yeah, I remember just, like, getting a blessing at the end of my mission from my mission president, and it said, like, you're going to go back to BYU, and you're going to find your husband at BYU. Oh. So, um, and I, like, full-on believed him. I thought, you know, this guy, because they tell you when you're on a mission, like, your mission president's, like, your direct,
0: mm-hmm. like,
2: has revelation for you, like, every, he's, like, your direct line. And so, like, I definitely thought that, like, I'd find my husband at BYU, whatever. Um, And... Funny, I didn't, I, (laughs) um, I didn't end up going back to BYU and I ended up marrying a guy who I met on my mission and I served, I served nine, I'm still married to him, we've married 10 years, um, and, uh, and, and he, I served half my mission in, like, a singles ward in Fort Collins, and, uh, so yeah, he, like, lived, you know, that's where he's from and he went to the singles ward there, and so we ended up, like, hooking up after I came home, um, ended up getting married. And, um, and yeah, and so, like, so we have married 10 years, we both left the church about six months ago, finally, after, like, I mean, that's a whole nother journey. But um, <laughs> <laughs> after years of like deconstructing the church, but not knowing that's what we were doing. um, finally leaving. Um, But, you know, that blessing, I didn't realize it till recently, but that blessing really messed me up because we had a lot of troubles in our early marriage, like most married people have, and they're early, especially people that just got married (laughs) did you (laughs) You you get
0: married in the temple too we
2: did yeah we got Uh. married in the temple um barely because we could barely keep our hands off each other because (laughs) spoiler alert it's normal for people to want to have sex with each other when they're you know love each other (laughs) or not or just want to have sex with each other um so but yes we did make it to the temple and i and he um you know, I won't I won't tell his story in detail, but he did say, you know, I could share this part of it, but he had so much uh, prior shame in the church from pornography use and masturbation and um come to find out so many people have that problem I didn't yeah. know that that was a common thing into like leaving the church and I'm just like oh my gosh yeah. you know listening again these podcasts if people come on and they talk about this and I'm I'm just like feel saved I feel like yeah. I feel seen I'm like thank goodness so many of us went through this I'm sorry that we never could talk about it um yeah. but it makes me feel so much better that I'm not the only one, but, but yeah, he had these major, um, issues with it, not so much like, you know, watching pornography all the time, but the shame that came from these occasional episodes of this, and then yeah. the problems that caused in our marriage, and I thought for years that, uh, we were unhappy, and that I shouldn't have married him because my mission president told me I was going to find some guy at BYU, and I didn't. And so, I like, I legitimately thought like I should divorce my husband because I didn't find him at BYU. And this went on for years, and I feel terrible about that now. You know, I mean, obviously I didn't divorce him, and we went through these issues and the repentance process over and over again, and talking to the bishop over and over again, and so much shame. And um, a few years into our marriage, he tried to commit suicide with a gun. And I was there pulling the gun from him. You know, it was, I had to physically pull the gun from his hands. He had a complete nervous breakdown. And it was a lot of different things. Um, but for sure, the shame of these things and the things that the church had put him through led to this suicide ideation. Um, so we, you know, struggled with that um on and off he got help and for a lot of years did really well and hasn't hasn't had the issue um but in 2020 his best friend who um the he grew up in the church in fort collins and um was his very best friend they talked like everyday texting and they went you know each other's ceilings and whatever um but he did end up actually um, died by suicide in 2020 for a lot of reasons and struggled on and off for years but um and had left the church he left the church a few years ago and um i went well maybe even more than a few maybe 5 or 7 years ago but anyways so once that happened that brought up a lot of stuff for my husband obviously yeah um and and truthfully that is maybe the reason why I finally woke up one day and was like the church promised me when I was a kid that it would be the answer that if we lived the gospel which we were trying like every you know every time we felt like we were unworthy we would just try harder that was always the answer just try harder just do more just we need to read our scriptures more we need to go to church more. we need to pray more and like every time my husband felt bad, he was always like, we're just not doing enough, you know, and me too, and every time, you know, we'd have so many fights about how, like, he's not being the righteous priesthood holder that our family needs, and just terrible things, like, I feel so bad about it now, um, but uh, but, yeah, I mean, we both came to Well, it was, it was honestly me that kind of looked at him one day and was like, if we don't leave the church, you will not survive. Like you, this will happen to you because you were in this constant cycle of like hating yourself for no good reason. And, um, and I was in a constant cycle of feeling like, um, I guess like, yeah, not worthy enough to be happy or something like that, you know, and like, it just always seemed to rear its ugly head. Like we've had so many amazing times in our marriage, but this would always come back to us. And I'm just like the church never fixed it. And that was kind of the first time I was like, we need to get the hell out. Um, and that comes after a few years of Black Lives Matter and the LGBTQ like, situation that we both were feeling like. We, you know, we were definitely taught that being gay was wrong. And then it kind of became, like, this nuanced thing for the past few years where it's like, well, it's okay to be gay, but, like, we can't actually be gay. It's just okay to yeah, feel like, yeah, you know what I mean. You
0: know. thing, yeah.
2: Right. And um, and so just a lot of disagreeing with that, too. And I wanted to be the kind of person that could stay in the church and like, try to make change from the inside. And I really respect a lot of people that are trying to do that. You actually um, talked with somebody. Was it last yeah. week? I think. Yeah. yeah. And I listened to that episode and I, I liked a lot of the stuff that, that she talked about. Um, and she kind of said at the end, she wants to be a safe place. And I'm like, thank you. Like, I wish I could have done that in a lot of ways. I wanted to stay to be like a voice for change for a lot of different issues um and at the end of the day though we were like no like this will kill us this will kill our marriage this will kill you so we had to get out and i'm so happy we did because then we started going to deep deep dive into church history stuff oh, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um and yeah we you know leaving the church is again its own little <sighs> roller coaster ride of emotion okay. um and i'm still working through that but um but man i've never looked at my story and looked at my experiences from this lens before and for the first time in my life I feel like I can actually maybe heal from this stuff because I don't have that tr- I'm not looking at it through the lens of the gospel anymore um and that's and yeah, you know my husband can finally heal from his um mental health things that he has and and realize that a lot of it was just not even like it was never even a problem that the the cure was the disease or whatever. The disease was the cure. <laughs> do you know yeah, what I mean? I know, like, what, I know I don't, what you mean,
0: yeah. But, I'm not
2: um, that right, but the church caused a lot of those mm-hmm. shameful issues. He didn't actually do anything that needed it to was be. It,
0: it the cure was worse than the disease? Is that kind of... Yeah. I, There's,
2: yeah. It's too late. phrase.
0: I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I,
2: <laughs> Basically, the church is making it worse. Um,
0: yeah.
2: So... So, yeah, and I mean, it's just been, um, so I feel like I'm having to rehash kind of a lot of the stuff that happened to me as a teenager and happened to me as a young adult and happened to me, you know, wondering why I never could get my shit together and graduate from college and wondering why I never could, like, so many things in my life that that I felt so terrible about and realizing, like, you know, it's it's because I was promised something and didn't work because it isn't what it claims to be. And, you know, we, anybody can talk all day about does the church do good things or does the church good for people? There are good things about the church. The church can do good things. um, But it is not what it claimed to be. And it told me, it promised me that it was certain things and it isn't and it wasn't. And it screwed us up. (laughs) So thank goodness we're 33 and out, to not 63 and out, cause yeah. you know I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is, it's really tough to realize that I have a lot of work to do, and, uh, um, you know, but maybe this time, um, you know, I might get some healing instead of just more uh, feelings of uh, unworthiness. So, yeah. so that's a lot, and I'm sorry I talk so much.
0: No, <laughs> amazing um you had me crying there for a second um but the (laughs) uh i oh man so many things um so i was thinking because like the thing that i was thinking about when i you were like this (laughs) with your husband with the um just that like, the pressure, and, like, both of you having that pressure of, like, being perfect, like, that's the thing about the church, is, like, there's this pressure to be, like, put up this facade that everything's fine, and everything's great, and yeah, I'm so, yeah, yeah, I've got struggles, but, like, because of the gospel, and because I'm so righteous, and I have this testimony, and blah, 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 I'll make it through, and everything was gonna be fine, I just got to work harder and harder, it's just, like, this constant, like you said, a cycle, and, um, but, like, there's no real like like you were saying like there's real no depth to the the healing that you're actually supposed to be doing and they they talk about it a lot but they don't actually there's no like action to it which is funny to me because it's kind of contradictory like how there's so much they say like faith and works and whatever stuff like that like um together will bring you salvation and they talk about like um and i know other religions like uh, I'm sure you under, you remember from like your um that big Christian uh church that you went to yeah. like the by the believe it's mostly just faith um right then, then you, but like works is not part of it. I remember getting into conversations like that in my mission all the time. Yeah. Um <laughs> and they were always like you guys believe in faith and works and we're now, we're just faith and like I don't, <laughs> anyway. But um <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: I um out of his No we don't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, okay. um, <laughs> but I I just it's funny because like you actually end up working so hard cuz like I think of like my like my struggles and my you know with my sexuality with like I've struggled with porn I'm just saying yeah, not quote even quote, but, like <laughs> like I just went through the natural process of like discovering my sexuality and my yeah. who I am you know and like but that was something shameful you know and like um for the longest time just be feeling beating myself up over it so like um and there were times with like I can relate to your husband like feeling that that you know that that's the you're at the end of your rope you know and you're just like there's nowhere else to go but like to take your own life and i've i've been there you know and i um uh, it's sad that there's a lot of like a lot of people will probably will be able to relate to this because it does the church is harmful to our mental health and i think and um the thing is i think i think it's coming more and more like in the light like people are like seeing it for what it is but i think it's because there's more information out there you know like yeah. people are seeing like the the um the effects that it's actually having on people yeah um I, well,
2: and Even just like the fundamental teaching, and this isn't specific to the Mormon church, but this fundamental teaching that like we're born like wicked and unworthy and we need to be like cleansed and saved. And so I, just the very, and this is something I've thought since I was a kid, like yeah. just the very concept of like, I am just not, uh, I'm just, I'm dirty. I'm, I'm unclean. I'm unwhole
1: Never.
2: just because I was born like yeah. this is damaging (laughs) and whatever church is teaching this and so many of them do right Mm -hmm. and we never um and so so it's it's such a breath of fresh air to be like i actually don't have to believe that like right anybody can you know we have i believe in the right to believe whatever you want right but it is so refreshing, like nobody told me ever that I just didn't have to believe in God. I didn't have to believe that I was unworthy. I didn't have to believe in the need of a savior. Like, I always just thought that I had to. And so, man, like, you know, and, and I, you know, personally, um, my deconstruction of the Mormon faith has led me uh, to deconstruct my belief in God and Christ. But I'm I'm open to getting that back at some point. I am just really happy though to like try to see myself for like not being some broken, unworthy person. And and yeah. so if I get if I get God back in my life, if I get Christ back in my life, fine. But I'm so happy that for right now, like I just am me, right? Like
0: Yeah. Oh totally. <laughs>
2: And it, it does pills. take <laughs> away a lot of this shame that we all carry with ourselves for having like natural desires and having like yeah. natural wants or, um, yeah, like it's just or just having natural struggles, like, you know, not feeling like you know, we're as good as the other person all the time, you know, and
0: having depression and being like feeling sad, like just being like down, yeah, you know, and like. Oh, but you can't be down because like you have the gospel. You know, like just go read the read the Book of Mormon and you'll be happy again. You know, I just like Here,
2: this is this is classic Mormon uh <laughs> indoctrination, but like I literally had a sacrament meeting. This is like in our marriage like two or three years in and I'm just like crying one day in sacrament meeting. I don't even remember why. Like I was just sobbing and this isn't a normal thing. Like I was usually wasn't, you know. I, th- I think most people that know me like if you talk to people that know me uh before I left the church um cuz now I'm like super angry bitter bitch like everybody <laughs> hates me. everybody hates me but before I left the church if you talk to my friends I think they would say that I was like just really like happy bubbly like personality but that's totally just a coping mechanism but anyways one Sunday I guess I couldn't hold it anymore and I'm sobbing and the bishop like asks he goes, Hey, can I see you in my office after church? Because he had noticed from the stand that I look uncontrollably sobbing. So, <laughs> this guy's a good bishop. He's trying to help me and he brings me into his office. And I kid you not, this guy, he, you know, again, he's doing what he thinks he should do, mm-hmm. not trained at all. He's a dentist, so not trained at all in mental health. And he <laughs> tells me that I need to find, like, three people that week to serve he says that's going to fix you're obviously upset about all these things and crying uncontrollably and um you need to focus on service. Lose yourself.
1: Oh, fuck.
2: That that <laughs> shit is so damaging, right? Yeah. <laughs> so now, on top of me uncontrollably sobbing, now I'm like, shit. I'm not. I'm not even. You You're know. Now I'm feeling enough. bad because yeah. I did not go serve three people. And so I am feeling bad now that I didn't do the advice that I'm supposed to do. And it's just <laughs> endless.
0: Viral. Yeah. Yes. Oh man so well and here you are probably exhausted already trying to like you're at a breaking point obviously he just tells you to go do more yeah, like,
1: that's,
0: oh, fuck.
2: It's, <laughs> yeah it's not great um so yeah religious freedom for the first time in my life and and I'm excited you wanted to talk to me because um oh, yeah it's It's therapeutic. I I feel very isolated. I'll be honest. You know, I'm new to leaving the church, and I lost quite a few friends because I was vocal about it and vocal Uh about those angry about. Um, and so it's it's an extremely isolating thing. And like I said, podcasts have been saving my life because I feel like. I, I feel heard in these stories, you know, from these people that don't even know me. And, yeah. um, yeah, so I was like, maybe somebody, you know, my story is a little crazy. Like,
0: yeah. and, wild ride. Holy shit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, I held back a little. There's like some crazy, you know, but I just feel like <laughs> I, I I guess I wanted to contribute to this community of people like not being afraid to say who they are, you know, like I want to be the kind of person that's like not afraid to be me and with all my shit, right? And so I guess thank you for the you know opportunity just to talk to you.
0: <laughs> Anytime honestly like you've made a you have a friend in me. <laughs> so, I and know, honestly I know
2: a lot about you because <laughs> you know, like, I know a lot I about share
0: you. everything on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too so much.
2: It's, it's funny in you know, and then I and I've listened to a lot of them the Molly Mormon gals too and like it's just funny like knowing all these intimate things about people.
0: So so now
2: people can know intimate things about me and not know who I am. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I try not to think about it. I'm like, wow, I'm putting all this out there, but it's fine, you know. But like it is really cathartic and it's therapeutic, good. but um and talking to people like you that are that are willing to share their stories and be vulnerable and I'm very appreciative that you were willing to do this. And um, I hope it was helpful to you too. Yeah. I I mean, you can come back anytime and we can, we can talk about other shit. You know, we don't have to talk about the heavy shit. We can talk about some fun shit too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) More Benadryl
1: stories, please.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or more about, man, more about Florida. I could spend a lot of time. My husband and I lived for a few years in South Carolina. Man, I could spend all day talking about the South. And, like, oh, that's
0: <laughs> that a whole different world down there. Oh Ooh, my god! <laughs> yeah. so, um,
2: actually, it was actually really helpful in like deconstructing like a lot of uh inner um racism that i had and mm. because you're like really confronted with it there and then mm. the word there is just like unreal like I can't even um
0: <laughs> <I like that. laughs> but
2: also I've had lots of bug bites and the bugs were the worst ever and the fire ants and oh, I can't fire let ants. <sighs> yeah I couldn't let my kid run around because of snakes and we had eight alligators and I think everyone's like <laughs> i'm in chicago right now or outside of chicago in the suburbs uh-huh. and everyone's like oh you live in south carolina why did you ever leave i'm like dude
0: you know <laughs> 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 oh, i spent so much time in florida actually on like my mission it's two years there and then i was in pensacola for uh, My Navy training. Oh, wow. And actually, so the reason why I brought that up was because you said fire ants. And I was like, there was this one time they took us out to this fucking field (laughs) for PT. And like, just random, like, just like all this, like, like tall grass. And I was like, what the fuck are we doing out here? And so and then they make us like sit down in this tall grass and stretch. And I sat in a thing of fire ants <laughs>
2: oh my gosh are you serious so I had just, like
0: all up my calf like oh no and I was just like huh that doesn't feel something something stings like and like it took me a minute I was like what is happening and, like I hurt really bad like was and then I looked down and I was just covered in fire ants and I was like, ah, like I just like freaked. <laughs> they were like Taylor what are you doing and I was like I got fire ants <laughs> Yeah. And I had to run the rest of the, they okay. made me run after that. Like, I was just like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. okay, let me just run a fucking, I think, five miles. Oh,
1: oh my <laughs> gosh.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <sighs> anyway. Well. <laughs> But thanks right. again
2: for letting me. I really will come back. So if there's anything you want to talk about ever. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. I'll message you and we'll talk. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, thank, um, you. thank you again, Meg. Um, yeah. is it, I mean, I should have made sure Meg or Megan. I don't know which one you prefer, but.
2: Meg. I like, okay. I like um, Meg. Sounds yeah. cooler.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm Meg. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Although, you know what? It's funny because, like, I don't know if other Megs are out there. If you are out there, please help me. <laughs> you run into this. But, like, people, especially older people, or, like, people who may be hard of hearing, they're, like, they don't understand what I'm saying. And I say, Meg rhymes with egg, like, all the time. <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard for people to understand Meg. So, it's kind
0: of funny. <laughs> well, and, um, I... Well, so and I go by Jake, and my real full name's Jacob, so it's kind of the same thing. Like, I'm just like, um, only my family calls me Jacob and like certain people, but like I go by Jake everywhere else, and so like um, that's how I know how you know me, because I'm like, uh, that's how you know me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, but it's just like one little syllable, and it just makes a difference to me. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool.
0: All right, on that note, um, thank you again so
2: much. It's awesome. Good to talk to you. Hopefully with will get again.